The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Oh, it's a Monday morning. We're getting our football week underway, a week in which we actually get to see the Eagles against a team in another jersey. Preseason football action Thursday against the Steelers. We had practice action last night at Lincoln Financial Field. Thanks for tuning in, getting your football week underway with us here on Birds 365. Jody McDonald, along with Jeff Kerr, who's sitting in for John McMullen. Where's McMullen? You may ask. Well, he's right there. They got his pretty face up there. For you, uh, he's hopping on the telephone line before he gets to Eagle practice with us today. Uh, Jeff, hope you had a good weekend. Uh, I did. You know, Philly swept the Mets. That's always a good. One. <laughs> I donned the USA cap because the United States ended up with the both uh, the most gold medals and the most overall medals in the Olympics. It's an official wrap, which leads us nicely into the NFL season, where John McMullen got to see firsthand Eagles practice and. In the link in front of screaming Eagles fans. J-Mac, how was your party last night? Uh, it was great. It was good to see fans back in the building after last season. So that part of it, uh, I think, was uh, uh, exciting, as I said, to get back to. It's, uh, I think, a needed step. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've said it before with you on the show, Jody. I Personally, I had a tough time with pro sports as a whole with no fans i thought it really took a lot away so um i think people now understand what the environment means uh to these events um and you know playing games in essentially a billion dollar uh tv studio that's what i called these nfl stadiums it was not fun to to me at least so it, it was good to get back to at least somewhat Uh, a sense of normalcy and hopefully that continues but i i do want to say real quick the eagles are having a walk through today uh i got some behind the scenes stuff i got to take care of so uh close to the media nothing today they're back full practice tomorrow um and obviously the game so yeah game week first game week uh of the nfl season you know obviously it's preseason i wouldn't get too hyped up but again, it's nice to take that step. Well, I'm excited to see Graylin Arnold and those guys this weekend, John. And I wanted to ask you this in particular. Is there anybody like a dark horse in camp that's kind of rising from the ashes and may have a chance to make the 53? Well, there's always, you know, I, you know, knowing the egos of GMs, you always look at the undrafted guys because they always want to keep one. <laughs> and they want to say, look at me, look at who I found. So you always start to look at uh, at, at at that part of it. Uh, 
obviously, I, you know, I don't know if it's a surprise he's going to make this roster, but I think he's pushing for playing time, and that's and that's Quez Watkins, who to me has been the best receiver in this camp. Um, and you know, if competition is competition, you know what? Let's let's let the guy have some first team reps against other teams and see what he can do because. I'm not impressed by the other receivers, not named uh, Devontae Smith, who obviously isn't even playing. So, um, you know, I think he's maybe the biggest story of camp from an offensive perspective, uh, from a defensive perspective. You know, everybody's been good. And I, I, I said, is you know, is that the chicken or the egg? And I'm being a little facetious, but um, – you know, is it because the defense is better than we thought, or is it because the offense has just struggled that mightily in in, in training camp? Let me uh, make a comparison for you, J Mac, and tell me if this holds any water or if I'm just whistling Dixie. Um, we talked a lot about the left tackle position, and I know your stance was they're going to go to great lengths to give Andre Dillard a chance to win the. Uh, uh, left tackle position because he was a first-round draft pick as compared to Jordan Mailata, who was a seventh. Well, the competition hasn't been close, and we certainly believe that as of right now, the job is Mailata's to lose. But is that same kind of logic factor into the wide receiver two position, where Quez Watkins has been the best contributor so far in camp and how it plays out in the preseason game certainly will move the needle plenty, Whereas Jalen Rager has had both issues and hasn't been able to make big plays. And like Jalen Rager, high draft pick. And Quez Watkins, day three draft pick. You would think that the general manager would be influencing the coach to go, hey, can't we improve this first round draft pick from only one year ago? What the hell, coach? Do you compare those two positions, left tackle and the second wide receiver position? Yeah, very much so. In fact, I wrote about that last night for Sports Illustrated, and, and I said that exact same thing. Yeah, I mean, Jalen's going to play. Jalen Rager's going to play. And, I, you know, to a certain degree, I think Travis Fulgham's going to play. Uh, and I think that's the default setting, and it's similar to what I said at left tackle. And while we all called it, all the media, the Eagles are still rotating. You know, the Eagles, it's 5-5 five, five through 10 practices. I expect when we get out there Tuesday for the full practice, it'll be Andre Diller's day. So it's going to be interesting if it holds, if form holds the true, that would mean the game is Jordan Mailata's day. So that maybe gives them a little bit of a leg up, but they're still trying. And, and I, I also said that might have been last night the best day for the left tackles as a whole, the both of them. I think everybody has focused on particularly Dillard, but even my lot at times have struggled in one-on-one drills. And I've tried to express Jeff Stoutman probably is not taking, um, putting as much stock in those as other people are because those are designed, really. It's it's easier for the defense than the offense. But, you know, Josh Wett and Derek Barnett have been stars. Both have been stars of this camp. And they've been killing guys in one-on-ones. And, and yesterday... Both of them, Andre and, and Jordan, had at least solid reps in one-on-ones. So probably as a whole at that position, and day 10 might have been the best day overall. 
John, one thing I really liked last night, when Zach Ertz came out, he got a standing ovation from pretty much those 26,000 fans that were there. How good must that have felt for Ertz and the Eagles in general? Maybe they will try to hang on to him at this point. Yeah, I, I think Nick Sirianni wants him to hang on to him. I will say that. I think he's come to that fruition. He's come to that conclusion uh, that, you know, if he's <laughs> he's here, so I'm going to use him, and that's my best option. Um, and I think, you know, from a receiving standpoint, I talked about Quez, probably the best overall receiver in camp has been Zach Ertz, which probably shouldn't surprise people. Um, so I, I think, you know, and I've said it before, I think Nick is defaulting to where Doug Peterson would default every year. Well, if he's here, I'm going to play him because he's, he's one of my best players. Uh, but then you have Howie's perspective, which is different and understandably so GMs, you know, coaches have to win, you know, right now they gotta, they gotta win week one. They gotta figure out how is the best way to win the next game. GMs have to think about more than that. They have to think about next year, year after, who's going to be here long term. What's the best, not only for immediacy, but uh, moving forward. And it's still very, very likely, even if Zach isn't moved, uh, he's not going to be here next year. Um, So I think Howie's perspective is a little bit different than most people. And ultimately, it comes down to Sam Bradford. That's what he's doing. It's the Sam Bradford playbook. If somebody has an injury at that position and they're a contender and they say they want a tight end and they and they get a little desperate, he'll move them. If not, he's probably going to play out his contract here. John, you were there last night. Uh, yours truly wasn't, so uh, I need you to paint this picture as best you can. Um, heard that Zach Ertz got the biggest hand. Brandon Graham got a big one, too. Close between those two guys, but Ertz got a, an ovation from the Eagle fans. And that he seemed to enjoy it, that he was kind of beating his chest as they were cheering for him and the like. We know, as per practices, that Zach Ertz, not 100% dedicated to being a Philadelphia Eagle this year. He uh, made the big show of uh, coming back out and sitting on a bench after the game was over. His parting shot, his final goodbye to Lincoln Financial Field. Oops. I guess he was welcomed back in with open arms last night. Uh, Did by his reaction, did it make you think, all right, he's now accepted uh, at least the possibility that he's going to be an Eagle and that he'll be able to jump in and dedicate himself and be part of the team trying to win games this year. Did you get that feeling? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was already at that point. And, and the fact that I said he's having a very good camp, so he's being a professional. And I think that's sort of like the card Howie Roseman always had in his pocket because he knows Zach isn't the type of guy who's going to, um, you know, completely tank because he's not happy in, in, in a situation. So, I think that was sort of the insurance policy that Howie Roseman always had to play the bad cop, as he likes to say. Um, yeah, and, and and from Zach's perspective, look, he's never had an issue with the fans. He loves the fans here. He, you know, he got so emotional when he essentially said his goodbye because of that. He's, his problems are with the organization, and and they stem from the playoffs after the 2019 season when. Uh, he played through a broken rib and a lacerated kidney. And let's be honest, most guys 
you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put Jason Kelsey off to the side because he plays through anything, but most guys aren't playing through that. Uh, and he did it for this organization and he feels that um, they didn't show any reciprocation. Uh, it's, it's tough. It's, you know, it, GM is a tough job. I, I know people hate when I defend Howie Roseman, but you have to make difficult decisions and, you know, the best case is always, you know, you can't pay for what a guy did. You got to pay a guy for what he you think he's going to do in the future. Unfortunately, when you get into the murky waters of all time greats of, of a particular franchise and make no mistake, Zach Ertz is that with the Philadelphia Eagles. It's tough because he's not the player he once was. You're moving towards Dallas Goddard. That's your future. It's not as easy as people think it is. Now, John, Jalen Hurts was, by all accounts, terrible on Saturday. And I'm being nice there. How much better was he on Sunday? Oh, he was a lot better. I mean, he almost had to be. It's tough to duplicate what Saturday was. Uh, it was that bad. I mean, I've been going to practices for 25 years. I'm trying you know, the memory is going. I, I'm trying to think of a worse offensive practice. I'm sure I saw one along the way, but it, it was up there. It was one of the worst uh, and, and the entire offense. But obviously it starts uh, with the starting quarterback, as it always does, fair or not. Uh, so it had to be better. It was much better. Um, it was, you know, okay. And that was just <laughs> leaps and bounds better. Um yeah, it's, you know, it's it's been a tough 10 days for the offense, I would say, overall. Uh, we've constantly talked about the defense standing out. I mentioned, I you know, is this defense a lot better than we thought it was going to be, or is it the offense? I, I, I tend to lean to, more towards the offense, just underperforming. Um, and, and there seems to be, I'm not going to say these are seismic shifts, and I think in some ways this is a positive for Nick Sirianni as a coach because he's often preached about and he's right when he says that you got to build your offense around the players you have. And the Eagles seem to me shifting more towards, okay, we're going to run a lot of RPOs. We're going to take advantage of this guy's movement skills. Coach, the, 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 you know, if you think he's going to put the back foot in the ground, and throw the football consistently. I just don't think that's going to happen. I, John, I need you to speculate for me here. If uh, Hertz's practice was as bad as you and basically everyone else are making it sound that it was ridiculously bad, and he made some plays last night, uh, some highlight plays. It wasn't phenomenal by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly better. What the hell happened on Saturday? Was there reasoning behind it? that he played as poorly as he did, that the defense did something that uh, he wasn't ready for, or didn't expect that he was looking ahead to the Sunday live practice. It was as hideous as most people are making it sound. You got a reasoning behind that? Yeah, it was a bad day. I mean, unfortunately, it was his 23rd birthday. Who knows? Maybe he was thinking about celebrating later on. Uh, you know, I mean, people, we all have bad days. We all wake up and have bad days. I, I do think it was an outlier. I, that was by far the worst practice. I, I don't think it's been great for a large majority 
of the days, but most days you could say, okay, like last night, you know, he made a nice play down the field to Quez Watkins, uh, and really the back end was the more impressive part because Quez went up and and high-pointed the football over Anthony Harris. His best throw was an outside sort of shoulder fade to Travis Fulgham down the field for about 30 yards, which was a really nice throw. Um, So there's generally every day you can point to a few things that were good and a few things that are bad. You know, the decision-making, sometimes throwing into double coverage, making the wrong decision. I think he flushes a little bit too much. Uh, you always want the quarterback to climb the pocket. Uh, and, and when you flush, you cut off sort of one side of the field. Um, things like that are a work in progress. But you expect that from young quarterbacks. And then the footwork. I mean, that's what it comes down to as far as consistency throwing the football. So when you see him make a great throw to Travis Fulgham, you say, okay, that it, that's got to be more consistent. And it's generally tied to footwork. But again, you expect that from young quarterbacks. And that, that part of it's a work in progress. I, I said after that practice, I mean, that's one. I, I compared it to a game. If you lose 40 to 3, you know, just flush it. Don't even worry. Don't, wa- don't watch the film. Don't worry. It's an outlier. Just turn the page and chalk it up to a bad day. I don't know if that's what Nick did, but that's what I would have done. How does Jalen react when he has a practice like he did Saturday? I I mean, everything he talks about, it just seems like it goes out the window for him, like you said, John. But, you know, what's his, like, body reaction? Like, we all know how Carson Wentz was when he made a bad throw or made a bad decision. How does Jalen Hurts react to all that? Oh, that's one of the positives uh, of Jalen. You can't tell the difference. I mean, you know, if he throws four touchdowns versus a four interception game, he's going to be the same guy. He's not, you know, it's a cliche, but he's not going to get too high or or too low. And that's what Nick said about that practice. He said he, he didn't go overboard, but he said as a coach, you know, sometimes you watch a practice and 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 say, wow, that stunk. And then you get inside and you watch the film and it's not as bad as it looked. It sort of intimated that about Saturday. Um, and he's probably right. You're never as bad as you look on a particular, your worst day. You're never as good as you look on your best day. Um, and I think that's the way you go about it. But, you know, Jalen's personality as a whole. Yeah. I mean, I, I always say he's the opposite of a typical young quarterback. Typ- normally, you know, okay, this guy's got the talent to play at a high level in this league. Uh, and then you worry about the intangibles. You know, is he a leader? Can he handle things? Uh, it's a big job we often talk about. I don't worry about the intangibles. I, I worry about, you know, can this guy throw the football like a consistent NFL quarterback? And we are where we were. We don't know that answer. I mean, right now, it's no. Uh, can he get to the point where he can do that? Now, you know, Miles Sanders was the first to bring it up. Nick Sirianni talked about it a lot yesterday because he got asked uh, from essentially what Miles said. And that's where all the RPO stuff comes in. I think they're, they're look, this is our quarterback. 
and we're going to accentuate his strengths and you're going to see a college style offense. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, Long term, though, I, I know Jeffrey Gloria. I know what he wants. He doesn't want that. But Nick Sirianni, I think for Nick, it's a positive thing because he's looking at what he has and he's going to try to win week one in Atlanta. And that's what he should do. J-Mac, it is certainly easier to judge how good your running game is when you're playing an actual game, when you're not tackling to the ground, when there are no big hits. It's much more difficult to judge where your running game is at than your passing game because you can do that in shorts and shells and see who's getting separation and who's going up and high pointing the ball and where the passes are. Much tougher to read your running game uh, without having face off against an opponent in another jersey. You just talked about what does Nick Sirianni want to do to win? What does Jeff Lori want to see out of his team's offense? What are we going to see in exhibition game one against the Steelers? Is it going to be heavy run related? Because that's the best way the Eagles are going to have to move the football this year. Will it to be easing the quarterback into what's expected of him over the course of the year? How much do you think they're going to run the football on Thursday night? Yeah, I, no, I, I mean, week one in the preseason, nobody's game planning at all. Nobody, it's not about, okay, what are we, what are we going to do against the Pittsburgh Steelers? It, it, it's just, you know, it's an extension essentially of training camp and you're just doing your normal stuff to get ready uh, for ultimately when you start the game plan. Um I, I don't know how much the starters are going to play. I, I do think it would be valuable uh, to get Jalen Hurts some reps. Uh, typically in, in the first, you know, if you have an entrenched starter, you're not going to worry about playing him much at all in the first preseason game. So they're, they're going to just continue uh, to work. And, um, you know, you might see uh, as – you know, Nick kind of said he's finished the install of his offense, I think, on Thursday of last week. Um, so now it's about kind of molding and what you do well within that offense. And, yeah, you might see a little bit of RPOs if Jalen plays. But remember, the backups, you know, if he gets injured, for instance, and they got to go to Joe Flacco or Nick Mullins, well, he's not going to run a ton of RPOs. So um, when they're in the game and they're going to be in there for the vast majority, the second and third string quarterback, no, I mean, they're not going to 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 run a lot of that stuff because those quarterbacks can't do that. Now, John, this is a little different too. what Sirianni's been doing, first-team offense versus first-team defense. I certainly don't remember Doug doing that, and I know – couple coaches in the league are starting to shift toward that philosophy and practice. Uh, do you like the first team offense, first team defense type thing? I, I think it gives you a better feel for what you have on both sides of the football. So it, it kind of, you know, what, what do you want your framework? I mean, we were talking about this, a bunch of us on the sideline um, one day last week and maybe want to throw the second team defense out there a little bit more. Uh, just to give Jalen some more confidence. Um, so it, it kind of, you know, it, it kind of, what do you want to get accomplished? Uh, I don't know if Nick Sirianni is at the point where he's saying, I got to build this guy up 
Um, I, I don't know if Jalen is the type of personality that uh, is affected by uh, poor plays. As I said, he seems very even keeled. So maybe he thinks he doesn't need that. Uh, and he's just trying to get the best work possible to get his offense prepared uh, for the regular season. So uh, ultimately you're judged on wins and losses. And um, this is his first training camp as a head coach. He's learning things uh, on the fly. I mean, even things as simple as he started out uh, in camp and he was doing his press conferences after practice. And he said, no, I don't like that. I want to get it out of the way. I want to do it before practice. Even things as simple as that, you learn on the fly, and he's going to learn on his fly, learn on the fly. And ultimately, when this training camp is finished, he's going to make some changes uh, as a head coach. Everybody does. That's just part of it. All right, uh, Johnny Mac, need you to uh, rate someone for me. Eagles rookie cornerback Zach McPherson. Put him on a scale of one to ten. One being cut day don't expect this guy's name to be on the 53 10 being oh he's a starter and he's going to take every single snap it's going to fall somewhere there in the middle so you're going to tell me where how would you rate zach mcpherson through the first 10 practices that the eagles have had so far well 10 is absolute starter i mean he's not going to start so i would say he's been very very good for a rookie um, so I would put him at about a seven on that type of scale. Um, you know, one thing you're probably a little bit more comfortable if Darius Slay sprains an ankle, Stephen Nelson sprains an ankle, you got to throw Zach McPherson out there, you know, but in a lot of ways, he, he's in the same boat as Quez Watkins. He's been really good. But remember, he's taken mostly reps against the second and third teams. Uh, I'd like to see him a little bit more with the starters to see how it translates uh, with the big boys, so to speak. But the difference there is Slay and Nelson have been good. So, I, I mean, there's no issues there. On the other side of the football, there's issues. And you, you should probably – be a little bit more of a sense of urgency to say, okay, let's see what Quez really has um, and, and, and try to figure that out. They have a bit more of a safety net and I can't emphasize enough how big that late signing of Steve Nelson was. Cause I, I mean, that secondary has been pretty darn solid for, for most of, of camp. Follow-up question then, if that's the case with McPherson, does he get any time in the slot? If you're set with Slay and Nelson, and Nelson has been what he was advertised to be when they signed him, Slay is your supposed best cornerback. Avante uh, uh, Maddox is Avante Maddox. Could uh, McPherson move inside into the slot and get some significant snaps in there when the season gets underway? No, he hasn't even taken a snap that I've seen inside yet. I mean, the Eagles, uh, Avante's played well, uh, too. So it's kind of been that domino effect I talked about. And, and the pieces kind of fit together on the puzzle a little bit better once you bring Nelson in. And, and really, Josiah Scott, who's the trade pickup they got from Jacksonville, has been the backup uh, slot corner. Uh, Zach has been outside. He's played well outside. So... Right now, it looks like they're they're going to keep him 
uh, outside is that you, you always need corners. I mean, you know, guys are going to get hurt at some point. And as a rookie player, you probably don't want to ramp up the cross training. Ultimately, I expect him to cross train at, at some point. You, you might lose a number of guys and he might have to move inside. So I think it's going to happen. But for now, they've started him outside. He's looked very good outside. Um, and he and Craig James, as you know, I put Craig in there as well. Those are the top outside corners behind uh, Darius Slay and, and Steve Nelson. I was kind of shocked over this, John, uh, this story that kind of went under the radar the past week. But everybody made such a big deal about Nick Sirianni and rock, paper, scissors and the competition thing. But yeah, Jacoby Stevens mentions the hot dog eating contest with the Kobe. Oh, that's got a lot of play, Jeff. Yeah, the <laughs> stupid hot dog. To, uh, to, I thought he was talking about Joey Chestnut, but it was uh, it was uh, what what's his name, Jody? The, the I Kobayashi. Kobayashi. Yeah, I forgot his name. Kobayashi. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and he was talking. You know, Nick likes to use videos, which, by the way, I I, I also think is a good idea if you think about you you know this generation i mean let's be honest they they grew up on smartphones and they they're always watching videos and they want short bursts of information so he uses videos uh to get across his teaching point he loves uh kobe bryant a lot of you know his work ethic stories and which are legendary um and yeah he threw out kobe Yashi and he was talking about fundamentals and people are laughing <laughs> he's like Oh, he's got to have the water at the right temperature to dip the, the, the rolls in. He's got to break the hot dogs the exact same time. And he's just trying to get across no matter what you're doing, the fundamentals makes you great at it. If you are great, you have great fundamentals. And he's trying to stress that. Now, ultimately, joke, and I, you know, I put, I'm writing about this on phillyvoice.com because it's a nice little story in the dog days of August. You know, but when it comes to Jalen Hurts' footwork, I'd rather show cut-ups of Carson Palmer, who John DiPolippo says is the best when it comes to mechanics. Uh, just perfect every time. But, you know, it's an interesting way. Obviously, the more you talk to people, as I know, because I'm on this show with Jody. Jody does 57 shows a week. I think he's got 75 going this week. You know, when you talk as much as we do, People start to tune you out at some point. So to get new sort of teaching tools, I, I think it's great. Uh, but I, I don't think, you know, I don't think it's going to hurt the team. I don't think it's going to help them that much. But, you know, it works for Nick Sirianni. All right. Then let me ask you my final question on teaching tools. Last night was a practice in front of 25,000. Really? Uh, I, I text you last night. and said, give me uh, the Johnny Mac I uh, the, the, the lower ball, I think it was like, I will say this. And, you know, there were 26,000 people in the building. So they're counting us, they're counting security, they're counting staff, they're counting everybody. So I, I do think there were about just under 26,000 in the building. Uh, but yeah, not paying customers. That's an old uh, attendance trick. You know, everybody does it. Uh, NBA teams, uh, pro wrestling that Jody and I love, boxing, everybody does that. That's how you, you, you pump up the number a little bit. 
although I haven't gotten to a game in over a year because of COVID, used to be one of my favorite things to do, try and guess the attendance just by looking at the, uh, from the press box, looking down, that looks like 23,000 to me. I would have enjoyed doing that last night. Um, but yeah, if you say they counted all the hot dog vendors, then how the hell do you know how many people were there? Anyway, they did it in front of tens of thousands of people, ran a practice. Any difference with Nick Sirianni and his staff? Did they do anything differently in front of the masses than they usually do in front of you guys covering practice? Was there any teaching moments last night that they took advantage of because they had a live crowd in front of them? No, I think there was more energy. There was more juice. It, it was the same. The only difference was it was the longest practice. So they gave him an extra 10 minutes. They went uh, about an hour 50. Uh, so they gave him a little bit extra, but it was it was the same stuff, the same periods, uh, the same format. Uh, and, and that's no surprise. You shouldn't change things. Uh, practice is what it is. And uh, it's more an opportunity for people to get to see the team and be a little bit closer uh, and, and get closer to that normalcy. Now, it's not like the old days. I, I think people look, Chip's first year, I think they had over 40,000 people. Um, they called it flight night. Uh, typically, they would do in the past, they would do their uh, uh, military appreciation nights in the preseason. Um, things are still not back to normal. I mean, in the old days, the players would sign autographs after practice around the bowl and, and get really close to the fans. You can't do that anymore. you got to sign little footballs and throw them into the crowd. Uh, so it's not quite back to normal. Uh, but it was, as I said, it was nice to see fans in Lincoln Financial Field instead of that two, 3,000 that they used to pad attendance of media and employees and security staff and all that. One thing I miss. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, John. Yeah. Go ahead, John. One, thing, one thing I miss, John, is I still miss Lehigh. I miss it like crazy. So when I see the stadium practices, I'm one of those guys I'm like, this, this shouldn't be, you know, I know it's been eight years, but this shouldn't be right. This shouldn't be right. I, I mean, do you miss like fans going to the training camp practices all the time or, you know, or do you think these flight nights or, you know, whatever they call them now are actually good for the Eagles? Uh, I No, I, I don't think it's good. But, I mean, that's just the reality of the NFL. I mean, more and more teams every year are, are staying home, so to speak. And, and certain – it's interesting. I mean, Dallas is one of the teams that still goes on the road. They go to Oxnard. I, I don't know because they built this glorious facility down there. And, they can, you know, they have a hotel. They can house the place. They have everything. Um, so as, as those facilities, Minnesota is one of those, Carolina is building one of those, um, uh, they become these giant things and it's just not the old days of, you know, I remember going to Mankato state and, and, and Minnesota and, you know, the old days of, of, of the Eagles were in Westchester, you know, players hauling, uh, air conditioners into college dorms. Uh, and, and you don't have all the facilities. Remember, you, it's a $13 billion industry now. So you got to move weight rooms. You got to move medical staffs. You got it just doesn't make sense from a logistics standpoint. And then on the back end, you don't have two a days. You don't have these long days for the fans. It's scaled back from the CBA. So it, it's just, I, I, I don't think it's good. 
I, I think it, it creates more distance from the fan base. I think it's certainly not as fun for the fans, but it's better for the teams. And ultimately, you know, people keep watching, they keep spending money. So if they don't protest, they're not going to stop it. J-Mac, good stuff. Uh, I know it's only an, a walk through today. We will get you back up uh, tomorrow morning, top of the show again. And before you know it, it'll be Thursday. And we actually have an, an exhibition game to talk about. Johnny, thanks, bud. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. Thanks, guys. John McMullen here with us on Birds 365. Jeff Kerr sitting in as the co-host today. Uh, we'll come back, touch more on what came down at Lincoln Financial last night. Oh, by the way, I'm with you, Jeff. I used to love going to Lehigh and uh, seeing the Eagle fans on a regular practice day. Sitting in the Lincoln State, it's like a game. That's not attending a practice. If you're in Lincoln Financial Field, it's a game, even if it's only practice. Sitting on the benches up at Lehigh, now that's attending a practice. We'll come back, we'll talk about uh, all of that stuff and start to look ahead to the game on Thursday versus the Steelers. Got a good guest uh, going to join us in hour number two. That would be Paul Domwich, who has just recently come off the Eagles beat in a full-time basis. Still going to be doing some writing. And he is the Philadelphia voter for the Hall of Fame. They had the Hall of Fame inductions in Canton this week. So we got plenty to get into with Domo. He's going to join us next hour. We'll come back and uh, finish up hour number one here on a Monday edition of Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. It is a Monday edition of Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Jody Mac hanging out with Jeff Kerr filling in for Johnny Mac. You know, Johnny Mac is uh, joining us early these days as a guest. He's a guest on his own show. That's a beautiful thing. And uh, Jeff does a great job holding down the fort for us when Johnny Mac is out. He's going to go to the Eagles walkthrough today. Then if we'll practice tomorrow and then getting ready for Thursday's game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It'll be nice to just see a game. And uh, I mentioned this end of last week here on the show. I think Johnny Mack was in, not you, Jeff. Um, On uh, Thursday night, when the Cowboys and the Steelers started the National Football League season in the Hall of Fame game, you watch every snap of that game, did you? Sadly, yes. Um, But I will say this. There was a CFL game on, too, and that was a lot more entertaining than anything the NFL put on on Thursday night. That's funny. Yeah, I don't I don't go north of the border for my football. A little baseball, absolutely for my hockey. Yeah, no, for football. Uh I, I admitted this on the air here and then on my CBS show over the weekend. Cowboys, Steelers, I absolutely fell asleep. And uh, down here in the man cave, I got my 40-inch screen mega screen TV, and I fell asleep sitting up. Usually if I lay down on the couch, it's all over. If I if I stretch out, it's only a matter of time before I'm going to be uh, sawing wood. I was sitting up watching that game, and I nodded out. That's how uh, disinterested I was in the second half. Guys, I'd never been heard of. I get it. We can name all 90 guys on the Eagles roster because we're birds 365, and we need to know who's going to make the team, who's going to get cut, who's going to be on the practice squad. Do I know that about the Cowboys? No. Do I know that about the Steelers? No. A guy number 86 is going to put me to sleep. And it did the other day, even though I know the Cowboys are the uh, most hated rival of the Eagles. I'm sorry. Ben DiNucci comes in at quarterback. I'm gone. And I did. I went south. I fell asleep on the game. That will not happen on Thursday against the Steelers, who will be playing their second exhibition game. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for the Eagles that they're playing a team that's already got an exhibition game under their belts, Jeff Kerr? I think the Steelers will be more fresh, especially their second 13, because they played the majority of that first game on Thursday night. I, I mean, I don't think it helps the Eagles. I don't think you should be evaluating the Eagles because of how they look against the Steelers, because it's their first preseason game and it's the Steelers' second. But I, you remember, Joey, when the Eagles were in the Hall of Fame game, I think it was 2006 against the Raiders. They started out really strong in that game, and it kind of carried over to their second preseason game that year. And I kind of have a feeling it's going to be like that for Pittsburgh, like when Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins come in, you're going to see the difference. But overall, like if Ben plays, and I'm assuming he might take a couple snaps, maybe a couple series, but overall, it's we're not going to see much of the first team for really any of these guys. 
All right, um, we're going to be talking about this this Friday here on Birds 365, I can guarantee you. How much are the starters going to play? I, I don't know if you saw it this weekend, but Ron Rivera came out and said, oh, our starters are going to play. Our first preseason game, I think the best way to prepare for the season, this is Ron Rivera, coach of the uh, Washington football team talking, is to actually prepare for the season. Get out there and take some snaps. I'm not going to just sit guys out of preseason games, first exhibition, second ex- or third exhibition. Oh, our starters are going to play. We're going to be ready for the regular season. Last year, it seemed to me like there was more protection going on than ever before in the National Football League. I don't know how three games rather than four is going to change that, if it's going to change it at all. But I thought it was a refreshing change to hear a coach say, Oh, no, preparation's preparation. You got to get out there on the field to prep. My starters are going to play. We'll be talking about how Nick Sirianni handles that on Friday here on Birds 365. How do you think he's going to handle it? Well, that's one thing. I kind of was with you, Jody. I like how Ron Rivera was straight up, brutally honest about it. Hey, we're going to play Ryan Fitzpatrick. And he still hasn't technically named him the starting quarterback, but it's like the Jalen Hurts thing. You know he's QB1. Like, there's no doubt about it. You know, and I, I like how they're going to play their first team offensive line. Antonio Gibson's going to play. Like it, he said it too. It's all of them. Terry McLaurin, uh, whoever's healthy enough to play that game is going to play. And I think it's good for them. I think they realize the opportunity they have in the week NFC East. And he did this with Cam Newton over the years. He's done this with pretty much since he's been the head coach in the National Football League. He plays his starters in the preseason. And it's a shame they're on at the same time. The Eagles and Steelers are on. They're the only two games Thursday night. So I kind of wanted to see Washington a bit. I'm sure I'll catch a replay on the NFL Network. I hope to be down at the link when that's going on. But I'm curious to see how Bill Belichick plays his hand there because does Cam Newton play? Does Mac Jones play? Does he get more snaps there? You know, will Bill Belichick roll out his new look offense with Johnny Smith, Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Henry, who's going to be a starting running back? But one thing Rivera really got into yesterday, uh, since we're on the topic of it, who his number two quarterback is going to be. And he has not mentioned the two yet. It's Taylor Heineke. It's Kyle Allen. They're battling for it. And he said, I can't wait to see these two come out. And he didn't say like the second half, but it seems like he implied it. Like maybe he meant second quarter at the time, but it seemed like he implied the one of them is, is going to come in pretty much at the end of the first quarter, the end of the first half. I'm assuming it's going to be the end of the first quarter because it's first preseason game. But I'm curious to see if it's going to be Heineke, the guy they, they paid or Allen because Rivera really likes them. Yeah, you're right. And uh, I think they will use that as a judgment. And we are as Eagle fans going to use Thursday's game as a judgment. It's, it's not to be all end all. We're not either going to anoint uh, Jalen Hurts, our starting quarterback for the next 10 years, nor if he has a bad day, can't be as bad as Saturday's practice, but let's just say he doesn't have a great day. They're not going to panic and up their offer for Deshaun Watson. It is what it is. It's just the first exhibition game of this offseason. But we are going to evaluate it. You can't just say it doesn't matter. It does matter. And I'll be really interested to see how much Nick Sirianni, uh, more snaps than anything else. Because when John was on with us, he made the point, you're not going to tip your hand. You're not going to show your full playbook, your first three possessions of the year. You're not going to get your highlight plays up top uh, in your rotation just to make sure they look good and you're ready for the season. But I am going to judge Jalen Hurts for what he does in game one because 
He's not entrenched here. He's not the guaranteed quarterback of the future. Shoot, even when you're entrenched, like Carson Wentz was, you know things can happen and things can change. So, yes, for me, Jalen Hurts has something to prove in the first game. How much do you think he's going to play? How how far into the game will it be dictated by number of snaps? Will it be dictated by the clock? Will it be dictated by the scoreboard at all? How do you think uh, the coach decides, all right, that's enough for Jalen Hurts for game number one? I think it will be a combination. Honestly, Jody, normally it's what, 10 to 15? I remember that's how Doug would always judge it for the first game. I think he gets a little more than 15. I think he gets about 15 to 20 or a couple possessions because, again, this is his first year as a starting quarterback. And one thing I wish they would do more in the preseason, and I think Ray Rhodes used to do it. We'd have to ask Barrett Brooks, but I remember Ray Rhodes would mix up like first and second team guys sometimes. Like he'd have a second team running back in with the first team offensive line and the first team quarterback. I, I mean, he didn't really have a choice. Their offensive line wasn't that good. No disrespect to Barrett, of course, or, or the quarterback, but it was a way to mix a, a, everything up there. And I kind of wish like Nick Sarri and I would do that because they're, they're deep at, you know, pretty much offensive line and at running back. So you could find a way to use Kenny Gainwell in with Jalen Hurts and see how he reacts or Boston Scott a little more. I don't think they'll use Miles Sanders as much, but back to your initial point with Jalen Hurts, I, I think it's going to be at, I, I would say a quarter. That would be my guess. And I would like to see a quarter out of them now that there's three preseason games. I, honestly, Jody, if I, if I had to make an estimated guess, I would say a quarter this game, maybe a quarter and a half, couple possessions, and then, a half plus that second preseason game. Yeah, that's that. That's what I would like to see. And yes, we'll probably overanalyze Nick Sirianni on Friday and then after the second game as well. Because yeah, sometimes the score and how long you've had possession wise and what the other team is doing, it's really easy to draw it up on a board, but then you actually have to play the game and certain things change your mind. But I do think Jalen Hurts has got to show something. One of the reasons why that is the case, uh, no, you saw this over the weekend, uh, Jay Glazer of Fox reported that the Houston Texans have stopped answering phone calls from teams inquiring about Deshaun Watson, uh, that they had been taking phone calls. We saw the speculation last week that their asking price was upwards of five high draft picks. Oh, and two starting level players that they wanted a stone cold King's ransom for Deshaun Watson, which uh, teams do that from time to time. They ask for this outrageous price. Now the compromise starts uh, when you're talking to other teams. Well, we never got to the compromise phase. They went from asking for a King's ransom for Deshaun Watson to, yeah, don't even bother answering the phone. We're not going to return calls for anybody inquiring about Deshaun Watson. So for those of you who are holding out hope for the Jeff Trapasso report last week that said there's progress being made between the Eagles and the uh, the, the Houston Texans. No, there's not. There, there's no progress being made. Deshaun Watson's not being traded this week or next week or next month. I don't think it's going to happen this year, Jeff. The more we hear about what the Texans are looking for in exchange for Deshaun Watson tells me they know they can't get what they got. The, the, the return for Deshaun Watson is very important to the Texans. They want to get paid if they're going to move a superstar quarterback at age 25 who's on a pretty fair NFL deal, which, by the way, the numbers just keep going up and up and up. We know Mahomes drove the number up. Now Josh Allen drives the number up. So if you look at what Deshaun Watson is getting paid for his level of competency on the field, 
it's a pretty fair quarter, uh, quarterback number and contract number. They're going to want a huge package in exchange for him. They know they can't get that right now. So guess what? Deshaun Watson is not leaving Houston. Which frustrates me to no end. Not, not that I want to see Deshaun Watson trade or anything, but what are they doing down there? They're burying him on the fourth team. And Cully, again, I said this before, he's out of his gourd right now. He has no idea what's going on. Nick Cesario won't give you anything in terms of Deshaun Watson. Like every time they they ask one of their beat reporters, it's usually McLean or somebody's asking them about Deshaun Watson. They kind of give the, well, our stance stays where it is. I'm like, well, what does that mean? And then, you know, they won't even show him when the media's at practice. It's like he's buried on the fourth team. He's not even part of the plan. Why don't you just play him and try to get his uh, value up so maybe you can get those picks back? Because it doesn't look like he's getting suspended or going on the commissioner's exempt list anytime soon. It's You're pretty much just paying him just to be there at that point. And he doesn't want to be there. So, it's just an absolute mess right now. And I'm sure they'd love to trade him, but they're not trading him for pennies on the dollar. They're just not. And that's what I think they got to admit that reality. It, it, you know, it's a different sport. I know, but it's kind of like the Sixers with Ben Simmons right now, but there's no baggage. Uh, that's the thing with Watson. There's baggage and it's going to drive his value down. And, no team in the right mind, the Carolina Panthers, the Denver Broncos, the Miami Dolphins aren't getting them. Uh, you know, I pretty much think they're out. Two is having a great camp, by the way. There's no way these teams are going to give them what they want. It's I'm sure the Eagles went to them, hey, we'll give you two first and two seconds. You, If you're Houston, you got to at least think about it. It doesn't even look like they're even doing that at this point. Right, and I don't know that the Eagles would put two firsts and two seconds on the board at this time. At some point, if you find out that some of the lawsuits have gone by the wayside, that the uh, Houston police have said, we did our investigation, we don't have enough to charge charge to Sean Watson. When more information comes to the uh, overall situation, then I think the Eagles might be willing to uh, put that type of an offer on the table. Right now, you're going to give up two ones and two twos for a guy who might not be able to play for you in 2021, might be missing time in 2022. Now, all of a sudden, you click two more years off the calendar. Now he's getting up near 30 years old. No, it's not happening. So I think Eagle fans need to wrap their head around the fact that it doesn't look like Deshaun Watson is coming this year. So for those of you on our stream, on my phone lines, on WIP, who have continually told me, listen, they can't trade for Deshaun Watson because in all good conscience, they need to give Jalen Hurts a year to prove it. He may or may not prove that he is the future quarterback of the Eagles, but you got to give him the year. I've always said, no, you don't. If you can get someone better than Jalen Hurts, you get someone better than Jalen Hurts. But I think you're going to get your wish, Eagle fans. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be here all year. I think he's going to be their starting quarterback. And it's more because I don't think Houston can or will move uh, Deshaun Watson at this time than Okay, they they've made up their mind. Jalen Hurts has so wowed them in practice that they're with you that he needs to get the entire year. No, it's going to be out of necessity as to why Jalen Hurts is the quarterback all year for the Philadelphia Eagles. Houston is the team. It, it, you know this, Joe. You play fantasy football. There's always a player or two in that in a fantasy football league who you can just fleece in trades. They're just a, Houston is that team in the NFL, and now they're trying to fleece teams back, and teams are like, no. This is not happening. We're not giving up this for a guy with all these issues right now that are unresolved. And that, you know, again, talent wise, yes, he's worth that. Uh, the other stuff, no. So 
yeah, you're not giving up that much for a guy like that. It, Houston's just in limbo right now. They have no idea what they're doing in terms of – they don't even really – I don't even think Houston knows who their starting running back is at this point. You know, they signed Philip Lindsay. They signed Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram is pretty much done. But you're still paying David Johnson a lot of money. They just gave Randall Cobb back to Green Bay. You know, again, what a terrible franchise and how they're run. It, it's more than – any goofy thing Bill O'Brien has done, it, it's top down from the McNairs on, like how this franchise is run. And they're trying to get out of it by trading this guy, and no one wants him right now. I actually think Mark Ingram's got something left in the tank. So if I was in a fantasy draft with you, I'd know that I could get him somewhere in the later rounds. He might actually, I think he's going to be their starting back and could actually have a decent year for them. They're going to be a bad football team, but he, he actually could the ball up. Yeah. Uh, probably, but it depends on who their quarterback. You really want Tyrod Taylor dropping back and throwing it 55 times? Yeah. I don't think so. You know what, Jody? I was once told by, I won't name one of my colleagues at CBS, and this was a year ago that Tyrod Taylor is better than Nick Foles, and I just laughed at him. And this is when Foles was struggling. And he even said this when Foles won Super Bowl MVP. I'm like, dude, get out of here. Like, just get out of here with that. Like, you can't be an NFL analyst and actually. <laughs> <laughs> This yeah, is after I, one Super Bowl MVP, too, and he still stick by. I told you Taylor's better. I'm like, how's he better? It's just prove it. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. If, and uh, Tyrod Taylor has an amazing ability to get a starting job and then get hurt and watch someone else take it away from him. It'll probably happen this year in Houston again. All right, he is Jeff Kerr. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your Bird Street 65 guys. Coming up next hour, Paul Downwich going to hop aboard, talk Eagles with us here on Bird Street 65. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We got an hour in the books, which means we got an hour left to play here on Birds 365 Monday edition. It is an actual game day week. Yes, they will be playing an exhibition game against the Steelers on Thursday. We're talking about that leading up to it. Last night's live practice. Yours truly, along with Jeff Kerr, in for John McMullen today. And about that last uh, live practice last night, prior to Nick Sirianni met with the media. And I got to give the coach credit, major thumbs up, because he did some pretty good sucking up to the fan base saying that it's great to be back out in front of the best fan base, the most crazed uh, group in the entire National Football League. When in doubt, suck up to the fans before you're going to be in front of the fans is absolutely smart on Nick Sirianni's part. Nick Sirianni stock up. Pete Alonzo, Mets first baseman, stock down after his little comments yesterday toward the Mets fans. That was uh, pretty entertaining. So it was nice to hear Nick Sirianni kind of Get, get fans fired up for his football team and, you know, just basically say, hey. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Ride with us. This is going to be a fun year. It's I, I, again, that, that's one thing I do like about the fan practices there and something you, you didn't get at Lehigh. There's only two where you really get 20,000 people in that stadium. It's pretty much like an extended preseason game at that point. You're just trying to get everybody fired up for the season. And, you know, and the Eagles said this on Friday when I did the media tour, they are really banking on the fans coming back and being uh, the Eagles fans. We all know and love. I, I John said the same thing you're talking about it here. 
Uh, I get it. Uh, I've never played in front of 20,000 people. I played in front of a couple hundred people way back when. Uh, so I can't speak to it from personal experience. But I, I, I almost am hesitant to put too much emphasis on that because you're paid to play. And these guys are making millions of dollars, some tens of millions of dollars, uh, some a whole heck of a lot of money. Uh, you can't use the fans as a crutch. If you didn't play as well last year as you're supposed to, I'm sorry, I'm not ex- accepting as an explanation. Well, I, the fans weren't there, so I couldn't get as up. I couldn't get motivated. You have to be self-motivated. You have to be ready to play every single game on your own. If you can draw extra from the crowd, good, good on you and more power to you. But it's your job to be ready to play no matter what. I think they're going to have very close to full stadiums. Last night's attendance was a little bit bloated as far as I was concerned. I'm going to give the Eagles a little uh, pimping for it, but I'm not going to get nuts about it either way. I'm not going to give the Eagles fans a hard time. What do you mean you didn't pack Lincoln Financial? It's a practice. You don't have to uh, pack Lincoln Financial. I'm very careful in saying how much I think the fans are going to affect the level of play because – Quite frankly, I think the level of play should be where it is, as high as it should be, whether you are playing in front of an empty stadium or not. Yeah, and I, I want to know this, too, about the attendance, Jody. How much of that was influenced by Phillies fans packing Citizens Bank Park inside to make a double dipper out of it? You know, because the game was – I mean, the game was over early. It was like 3.30, but still, though, you know, you can go get something to eat and you can go right over there and practice was, what, maybe an hour and a half, two hours? It wasn't that long last night, but – yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I don't need a crowd to get fired up, you know, as a competitor. I just don't. And I, I know those guys, they're they're in that camp where I think it does just seeing people because they haven't seen fans in – I mean, the Eagles had, what, that six – there's 6,000 people there in that Sunday night game a couple you – know, last year. But th- that was their first offensive game of the year. But overall, I, I'm sure if you would ask like Elaine Johnson or Jason Kelsey, you know, it, it probably was nice to see the lower bowl filled with, you know, people who are going to support you. But overall, I, I agree with you. I, I You shouldn't need fans to get yourself fired up for anything you're doing at this point, especially in their profession. All right. You and I talked to, about this a little bit before the show uh, started today. Uh, let's start at the top and work our way down. The Eagles running back situation. It seems like someone is reporting either John McMullen or uh, Jimmy Kemsky or uh, BLG um, after every single Eagle practice. Oh, and Miles Sanders dropped another couple balls today. I uh, know you're a Penn State guy and I'm a big Miles fan, but last year was not a great year for Miles specifically in catching the ball out of the backfield. It's so funny because when he was coming out of Penn State, they didn't throw the ball much to the running backs and it was all speculation on how good you thought he could be. Did he show you in the not often attempts that he had that he could be a better pass catcher? It was a major question mark for Miles Sanders when he came into the NFL and damn, he had a real good year catching the football that first year. Those of you who doubted that he could do it here, take this. He can do it. He can do it real well. And then last year he wasn't near as good, dropped some passes, wasn't great in, uh, picking up blocks when the Eagles were keeping him in the block, other than just handing him the football and letting him make big plays. What a real good year for Miles Sanders. And again, this year, 
not so great at making plays out of the backfield. Again, it's only practice. We'll see what he does against the Steelers. And then more importantly, we'll see what he does against the Falcons a month from now. Are you worried about uh, Miles Sanders and his inability to catch the ball coming out of the backfield? Well, him dropping passes in practice is concerning because if you're dropping them in practice, you're more than likely going to drop them in the game. But I think he's still working on his timing and his chemistry with Jalen Hurts, and I think people seem to forget that. You know, last year he did drop a lot of passes. I'll be the first one to tell you how many he dropped, probably when he dropped them and the time of the quarter he dropped them. But it's not like his quarterback was doing him any favors. And, you know, as we all know, Carson Wentz was – Terrible at getting the ball to running backs, period. That's why I always thought he kind of ignored Wendell Smallwood when he was over in the flat. It, was, it wasn't all because it was Wendell Smallwood. He couldn't get the ball to him. So that was always an issue for me. But I, I think Sanders and Hurts, they got to work on that timing. And they're going to feature Miles Sanders a lot in the passing game this year. They just are because that's the offense they run. And if Sanders can't do it, there's going to be someone who can, whether it's Boston Scott or Kenny Gainwell. Someone is going to make those plays, but I think the Eagles are hoping Sanders is just more consistent with it. He doesn't get, like, the butterfinger hands or what's a kid in little hot hands. Um, I, I forget his name. Dan gets the toilet paper. You know, they're hoping he's not that. Uh, you know, they're hoping he's more consistent with it because when he does get the football in space – he is going to make plays for this team. That's why catching the football for Miles Sanders is so paramount. Agreed. And he will be there running back number one, but he is not going to be a quote-unquote bell cow back. The Eagles, or at least we believe, we. that's my bet. I'm talking as if I know exactly what Nick Sirianni is going to do. I got no idea what Nick Sirianni is going to do. We don't know how he's going to deploy his backs once the season gets underway, but we can say we assume uh, because they last year used Boston Scott and other backs, and uh, we'll see if they uh, go along the same line this year. All those other backs on the Eagles roster right now have shown a little something-something in practice. Boston Scott is the returning number two guy. Carryon Johnson, I thought, was a good pickup from the Detroit Lions, and they got him on a team-friendly contract. Jordan Howard has flashed. In practice, coming back this year, almost as a kind of surprise guy who's thrown his hat into the ring of being the number two back. And, of course, a Howie Roseman draft pick. The kid from Memphis is someone we all think is going to be on the team. The question is, how is he going to be used? How do you think the Eagle running back position behind Miles Sanders is shaping up before the first exhibition game of the year? Well, I'm on record. I think they're going to keep four running backs. Jody so the question is which one's going to get cut and I thought it was interesting Jordan Howard said this last week when he had his media session and I the Dolphins have really done a good job in terms like their free agency class last year they spent a lot of money it wasn't they had hits and they had misses and Jordan Howard is clearly a miss but I don't know why you pay a guy five million guaranteed ten million dollars and then you literally tell him in his first meeting you don't really fit our offense Chan Gailey actually told him that, and you know, it's probably why Chan Gailey's not the offensive coordinator anymore, but Jordan Howard, you're thinking, why didn't I just sign this when uh, you know, money isn't everything to these guys? Like It's all about fit, and you know, Howard ended up back with the Eagles, and again, last year was basically a waste of Jordan Howard's career. Now he's got to prove himself, and he's doing that this training camp, which brings up the question. You know Kenny Gainwell's going to make it, and I said this to you before the show. You know, I, I'm pretty sure Boston Scott's going to make this team. Miles Sanders is going to make this team. So it's going to come down between Jordan Howard and Carryon Johnson, and which one does this better? And the Eagles kind of need a bruising back in there. They, 
you know, they, Sanders isn't that. You know, Gainwell, he can do that, but I don't think they want him to do that. Scott can get that yard, but again, I don't think they really want to utilize him for that. That's where Jordan Howard and Carryon Johnson come in the mix here, and I think the guy, I think the Eagles are going to do that a lot in the preseason, play those two more and see who can get the tougher yards for them or, you know, who could get when it's second and ten if you need three or four yards just to make it third and manageable. Who's going to do that? That's where I think these two are going to come in to play here. Not, not saying that they're going to play that much during the year, but I think the Eagles are going to play their running backs a lot and rotate them. That's where I'm wondering, like, if Jordan Howard's going to make this team because he's had a good camp, and Terrion Johnson's had a pretty good camp too. So they got a tough decision to make. But uh, overall, Jody, I think they are going to keep four. And I think you're right about the number uh, being four. I'll throw one more guy, uh, one other guy into the mix because uh, a lot of the game day reporters, the guys who are down there every single day, have said that Jason Hundley has opened eyes in this camp, that he has shown a uh, speed burst and an ability to get to the second level, maybe beyond all these other guys that we're talking about, Kerryon Johnson and Jordan Howard, um, that he has a little bit more speed than those guys have. Um, I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he's not going to make this team. And that will be a very interesting read because we sit here and we speculate on basically a daily basis as to how much decision-making, how much of an influence does Nick Sirianni and the coaching staff have on Howie Roseman, who is going to select the 53. And Howie's got his own reasonings for doing things and moves that he's made. And how will he look? But he should absolutely be listening to his coach who's saying, here's what we see. Here's how we think a guy fits. Here's how we're going to plan on using a guy. So I think Sirianni should have a big say. Another thing, too, with Jason, that, yeah, this is, you know, and I fell into my own trap here. We're keeping out the special teams element here. This guy was on the kickoff team last year. Like, he wasn't a slouch by any means. And it's a shame kickoff returns aren't as prevalent as they used to be because he would have a really good shot because I think he would be the kickoff return just because of that speed and because he can, you know, catch a football from like 60 yards out off kickoff and take off. And again, that's where special teams comes into this. Jordan Howard's not a special teamer. Carry on Johnson may be. But we know Jason Huntley can do this. And, yes, there's a different special teams coordinator now. It is Michael Clay. It's not Dave uh, Fipp anymore. So that will play a role in the way. But overall, like, that's why you got to keep Jason Huntley in the mix, just because of the other things he can do that maybe the beat guys aren't focusing on in practice that much. Or when the Eagles do run special teams at the beginning of practice, it's not something you notice right away unless you're actually focusing on the 11 guys on the kickoff team. And maybe I'm making too big a deal of this, uh, who's going to be the fourth running back on this team this year. I know it's fourth running back. The, the offense has not been great so far in the first 10 practices. The defense has gotten the better of them almost every single day, and sometimes in dominating fashion. Well, then why are we talking about any of these running back guys? If they can't do anything on a day-in, day-out practice against the Eagles' defense, what's going to happen when they're playing against the uh, defense that's really trying to stop them. Well, we'll get our first taste of that against the Steelers on coming up on Thursday night, which, yes, I'm just happy that an actual game is back, that we're going to see the Eagles out there on the field competing against someone else other than your teammates, because I think Sirianni's done a nice job of keeping the emotional uh, tenor of practice up and keeping these guys focused and getting them ready for the season. 
nothing compares to playing against somebody. I always think about this uh, when we reach the first NFL game of the season. Uh, how many players I've had on leading up to that week that said, I just want to hit somebody in another jersey. Please give me somebody in another team's jersey that I get to take a hit at. Yes, they can not only get the work that they put in uh, kind of paid off a little bit, but get a little frustration out that they're taking on somebody else come Thursday night. No matter what level of football you play, Jerry, <laughs> midgets, high school, college, bro, it's, yeah, you want to hit somebody in another jersey. I, I always did that the first scrimmage. I'm like, just put me in the first play, coach. I don't need to play. <laughs> put me in the first play and let me hit somebody, and then I'm good for the day. And I, I'm sure a lot of players are like, I'm sure Brandon Graham can't wait to lick his chops on Alejandro Villanueva or whoever starts for the Steelers that week. Uh, no, Villanueva's not even with Pittsburgh anymore. So, I, again, uh, you know, there shows my point. But – Overall, it's um, you know, yeah, I think that's what it is. It's you gotta get the competitive juices flowing somewhere. That's why the preseason's good for them, and that's where I think the Eagles really missed not having a preseason last year. It's they couldn't get that rust out. They they really didn't do that until week one. You didn't have joint practices. You you hit each other for five to six weeks, and then it's like, okay, now we gotta go play Team A here. Well, Team A, you didn't see those mid September. Now you're getting to see these opponents come in, and I, like you mentioned, Jody, a team in just another jersey. It's, I think that's why the first team is going to see some some time because it's going. They just got to get something out. Like it's like that beast inside them. It's they got to get that that hit in, or they got to get that tackle, and then or get that series in. And it's like okay, and then you know the second game you build on it, but. That's what I'm looking forward to this first preseason game, though. We were talking about the, the fourth running back. That's going to be something interesting to watch. And, again, you can mask these wide receiver issues pretty easily in this offense if you want to because you have Zach Ertz, you have Dallas Goddard, you can throw the ball to them, and this offense is going to focus a lot on the running backs, especially in the passing game. And you can probably get away with Wes Watkins, Jalen Rager, Devon – you know, I'm not going to – I shouldn't include Devonta Smith in that, but he is part of the wide receiver group. But Devonta Smith makes that group that much better. But you can get away with the, those other two guys I mentioned. They're struggling. They're, they're inconsistent because you have all those weapons somewhere else. So, you know, that's the thing. Will the Eagles offense be good? We, we just don't know. But based on what we've seen in train camp and what we heard, it doesn't look like it right now. Jeff, I think you made a really good point. Uh, we were talking about, ooh, playing in front of fans is going to raise the level of play again. It probably will, but I, I don't think it should have as big an impact as the way some players are referencing it. Playing a first regular season game after playing three exhibition games, yeah, we're down to only three, which is a good thing because we're playing 17 regular season games. Oh, I think that's going to have a much bigger influence on the quality of play week one, month one, as the season gets underway. Because you can learn things. You do get yourself used to reacclimating and hitting people and getting into a timing routine with your teammates. I think that had a much bigger effect on maybe the quality of play not being what it was when the regular season started last year, more so than playing in front of uh, empty stadiums. Uh, I think that practice does make perfect. And we'll see how the practice first practice game against another team goes for the Eagles on Thursday night. All right, Jeff Kerr, Jody McDonald, your Birds 365 guys. Come back. We'll talk more about the Eagles and their first preseason game, but also on this past weekend's Hall of Fame induction ceremonies. 
out in Canton, the guy who's been casting the votes for Philadelphia for the last several years. Our buddy Paul Domowicz is going to join us here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Monday morning edition of Birds 365. You're on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Jody McDonald, Jeff Kerr, hanging with you. Joining us is our buddy, Paul Domowicz, who just stepped away from the day-to-day of covering the Philadelphia Eagles. But he was out in Canton this weekend, where his responsibilities as a Hall of Fame voter are still being registered. Uh, Dom, good to get you back here in the area. How was your weekend out in Canton? It was great. Had a good time. How was the Harold Carmichael speech? I mean, from my vantage point, it, you know, he was awesome mentioned everything he needed to but 
How emotional was he through that whole thing? Yeah, I mean, well, he, you know, he's had a year to kind of have his emotions tempered a little bit, waiting for uh, because of the pandemic. But his speech was great. I mean, the best they, they they limited all the speakers this year to eight minutes because of the large number of uh, inductees, and it turned out to be a really good thing. Not just on his speech, which took about six and a half minutes, but everybody else too, because they just stayed focused. Most of the speeches were written and, and read. Uh, you know, he, his was great. He thanked everybody that needed to be thanked, and he even spent some time uh, campaigning for Dick Vermeil, who's uh, you know up for the Hall of Fame for 2022. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I wanted I want to ask you about two uh, guys. Uh, Dick Vermeil being one of them, but also another uh, former Eagle guy. I uh, talked to one of uh, your compatriots last night who was uh, a, a Hall of Fame voter who uh, mm-hmm. specifically said a Philadelphia Eagle that he thinks has been shortchanged and has to get into the Veterans Committee. But first, first things first on Dick Vermeil. Um, does it, you'll help to make the case. What do you think the uh, respect is for Dick Vermeil in that room with your fellow voters? We saw our two coaches get in last night or uh, the night before with Cowart and Jimmy Johnson. Is Dick Vermeil in your eyes a uh, legit candidate? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, the, the way the process works with, you know, they have a coaching category and they have a seniors category, which is how Harold got in after, you know, after you've not gotten as a modern era candidate as a player, you go into a senior pool with the coaches. There's, there's five people on a coach's committee uh, from our 48 man committee who are going to select one guy out of uh, five. I think there were nine finalists to start. Uh, Dick was one of those. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, unless I just totally uh, get blindsided here, it's down to him and Mike Holmgren uh, this year. You know, it's, uh, I don't know how those five feel. Uh, I know a couple of them are going to vote for Dick, um, but uh, you know, I just, you know, Dick's eighty-four, uh, Mike's seventy-two. They're both going to get in uh, at some point here in the next two, two years, three years. I just think uh, it's Dick's time. You know, he's he he's really suffered from the, the the Eagles situation. He took over just a horrendous team, as you know. Uh, I mean, in '76, that team had. Not only was bad, but it had no draft picks uh, higher than the fourth round for like three years, uh, and yet he he got them to the playoffs and got them to the Super Bowl. You know that Super Bowl win by the Raiders over over Dick's team ended up kind of changing the course of history for both him and uh, uh, Tom Flores. I mean, Tom Flores went in uh, as part of this year's class, uh, and you know, and Dick's still waiting. If Dick had won that, if, you know, if the Eagles had won that game, Dick would have been in ten years ago. Well, my thing is with Vermeil, and this is where I would pound the table for him. How can you have pretty much every member of the greatest show on turf in, but not the coach of the greatest show on turf? And yeah. It's like it's going to be him and Tory Holt eventually. They're both going to get in. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 like I said, it's just a matter of time. Uh, I just hope that for his sake, the time is now. The uh, the meeting there, the meeting of the five uh, people that will decide that is on August twenty fourth. I had uh, Clark Judge on my show uh, last night on CBS Sports Radio. I know you know Clark uh, well, Donald. And I asked him about the upcoming class and uh, what's going to happen in the next couple of years. We certainly reviewed all of the guys who got in uh, both the Centennial class and then last night's class. And the guy he immediately went to said, guy I think should be in who's been overlooked by the Veterans Committee 
is Al Wistert, the former Eagles offensive lineman who played many years ago, and you have to know your history and do your research to know how good a player he was. And he made a really compelling case on my show last night. Now, this is not a Philadelphia show. This is a national show. And he made a very compelling case for Al Wistert should be in, and he's disappointed in the uh, group uh, that put the veteran guys in. Um, have you heard that? Has that come up? Now, you were there when Al was being considered by the Veterans Committee, or maybe you weren't. Uh, I should ask that as a question, not as an assumption. Um, from what you know about the possibility of that former offensive line grader, the Philadelphia Eagles, do you think he can get the nod on the uh, Veterans Committee? Last year, Jody, when they had the Centennial class, which Harold is part of, uh, that exp was an expanded 10 seniors uh, as opposed to the usual uh, two, one or two. Uh, they, they initially had 20 finalists uh, and, and settled on 10. Um, Al was one of those 20. So, I mean, he's in the – he apparently is, 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 you know, I don't know where he finished – uh, when they decided to uh, pare down to 10 because I wasn't part of that committee. That was actually last year was a separate committee. It included people like uh, Bill Belichick, uh, Ron Wolf. It was mostly football people. There were still a few uh, 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 writers that were a member of that committee that voted on the Centennial class uh, seniors. But uh, so, I mean, the fact that he was one of the 20 finalists would seem to indicate he's on the radar. Uh, you know, I was told several years ago, when I, I was trying to stir up some sentiment for him that they had kind of moved past the pre-1960 uh, uh, guys uh, and were, you know, and yet they've, since then they've added a lot of seniors from before that. So, you know, I'm hoping at some point Al gets in. I don't think it's imminent, uh, but the fact that he was one of the 20 finalists last year tells me that he's at least on their radar. Now, when Carmichael got in, I – Basically, was John some notes down. I'm like, I can't think of outside of Al Wister, I really can't think of any Eagles players that will get in anytime soon. Has there been any conversation with anybody in the Eagles history? Well, I mean, the, the two guys that I think, you know, if you're looking at after Dick that deserve to be in, one is Eric Allen. Yep. Uh, I've been yep. lobbying, for, I've been lobbying for him for five years with, with the rest of my colleagues on the committee. Finally got him into the final uh, 25 this last year. So I think that's a step in the right direction. Uh, I'm hoping he's a, a consideration of the finalist this year uh, because he belongs, you know, he belongs to at least be discussed in the room with the, with the final 15. The other guy is uh, Seth Joyner, uh, you know, who doesn't get enough credit for, for his career. And I mean, he's, he's another guy that, that at some point, I think it, it may end up being as a senior because I mean, there's the you others. Know, I can't remember if it's 20 or 25 years after your career's over that you are eligible as a modern era candidate before you go into the senior pool. But you know, I know he wants to get in soon. Um, you know, I'm still waiting. The, the guy, I've been, the linebacker I've been pushing the, the hardest the last few years has been Sam Mills. Uh, right after Sam, in my mind, as far as deserving is set. Damo, I want to get your take on this uh, because I respect your, your your overall football knowledge and your grasp of not only the game, but the NFL as an entity. Uh, reading Peter King's Football Morning in America column, uh, he made a, a, a leap of uh, faith that I had not thought about last night as I was watching a Hall of Fame induction ceremony. And as soon as I read it, I go, damn, that's a good point. Um, 
Peyton Manning was great, as we expected him to be, because Peyton gets it. He's got a lot of personality. He's uh, very good on commercials and hosting Saturday Night Live. So you knew he was going to put out a bit of a show, which he did. And he only had 10 minutes to do it. And he stayed within the 10 minutes, too, which was not easy to do. So give him a lot of credit. He put a huge emphasis on the game of football. When you go up there, you thank your teammates. You talk about your family, what motivated your peewee coach and whatever. Peyton got through that pretty quickly, and he talked at length about the game of football and what it means and how you have to honor it and you have to be dedicated to it. And we have this great game and we need to protect it and uh, cherish it and whatever else. And Peter King drew the conclusion that, you know, Peyton Manning make a hell of a commissioner one of these days if he wants to do that. Uh, at some point, Roger Goodell is going to step down. He's had a nice tenure so far. He'll do it for a bit longer. But at some point, he'll be replaced. What do you think of Peter's idea? Peyton Manning as net commissioner of the National Football League. I think it's an excellent idea. I don't think uh, Peyton would have any interest in it because of the time. Uh, 30-some-odd million a year. You know how much money they pay that guy to do that job? That's a whole bunch. That's more than Peyton got paid to throw the football. First of all, you have to move to New York, and I can't imagine Peyton wanting yeah, to do that. You got a point uh, there. Yeah. Just from the standpoint of, of, of the person for the, for the job, I think it would be excellent because I mean nobody has a greater respect for the game than than Peyton and his entire family, for that matter. I mean, Arch going down to Archie, uh, it'd be a great thing. But again, I don't, I don't ever see Peyton being interested. I want to bring back the Eric Allen, Seth Joyner conversation here. I think Seth is still the only player in NFL history. I think with like what fifty sacks and like twenty five interceptions or or something like that. Like, why do you think he's been omitted, even though he was a great linebacker with the Eagles and he does have a couple Super Bowls? Yeah, I mean that was one of the best defenses in in, in, in NFL history um, because they did not win any playoff games. Um, you know, I think it's gotten slighted. Um, you know, inside linebackers are a hard sell because there aren't as many stats to point to. I mean, you just have to watch Seth play to appreciate what he meant to a defense. Um, you know, again, I, I hope someday he gets in. Um, you know, right now you've got two guys that were finalists the last two years, Zach Thomas and Sam Mills. They'll probably finalists again this year. They'll probably not get in. Uh, maybe one gets in. It's just a very – at some positions, it's just such a painfully slow process because, you know, people – a lot of people on the committee don't seem to have as much respect for certain positions as others. Damo, no, you're not doing it uh, day in and day out the way you used to, but I know you've got a keen eye still on the Eagles – um, we saw Jalen Hurts for four games last year and drew some conclusions on him. New coaching staff, new way of doing things. He is literally number one at the top of the Eagles uh, chart as of right now. Uh, projecting and off what you've heard or seen about practice this year. He's going to be their guy. It doesn't look like this to Sean Watson trade thing going to happen. So he's going to get a year to show that he should and or could be the Eagles quarterback going forward. Um, where do you think Jalen Hurts is that in his development? Is he going to be able to capture the job this year and hold it for the Eagles? Yeah, I mean, I, I've liked Jalen since they drafted him. I, I mean, I was one of the few people that thought it was a good move, not because I thought he was ultimately going to be replacing Carson, but it just made sense to, to when you had an oft-injured quarterback as your starting quarterback to find a, a guy that 
that would be a good backup and you could develop into a starter. I think he can be a starter in this league. I don't know that for sure. He's had an inconsistent camp so far, but the entire offense has. And I don't think you can tell much by these practices because most of them are non-contact. Or, uh, I mean, until we get into some of the preseason games, we'll have a better idea how this offense is going to work. And even then, it's going to be a very vanilla offense. Um, you know, they're not going to run him much in the preseason, which is going to be a big part of his game regardless. Uh, you know, he's – He's got to keep mistakes to a minimum and, and make smart decisions. I hope – I mean, the biggest mistake this organization can make would be to, to trade for Deshaun Watson. I mean, and I, I think it's it's on their radar. I mean, they're interested in him if, if the price was was not just terribly prohibitive because, I mean, they're not worried about the women that he's accused of sexually harassing, which, which kind of concerns me from the standpoint of the organization. I mean, you know, that should be a concern. I mean, this should be a reason you wouldn't touch this guy. I'm not saying he's guilty of anything yet, but it's out there. And it's it's until it gets settled, you don't trade for a guy like this uh, strictly for competitive reasons. So, I mean, I think Jalen, with the offensive line they have, if it stays healthy, with the running backs he's got, um, everything's there for him to be successful. If he's not, he has no one else to blame but himself. Now, you've seen – Tons of coaches over the years. Rhodes, Reed, <laughs> Chip. Uh, yeah, how does Nick Sirianni compare in his first uh, year or training camp with the Eagles compared to a bunch of those other coaches? Well, I mean, whether he can coach or not, we're going to find out, Jeff. Uh, I like Nick from a personal standpoint. He's a great guy to deal with so far. Uh, very friendly, very honest. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I like him from that standpoint. His offense, you know, we don't really have a grasp of – what it's going to involve, uh, we won't know that till the season starts. You know, is he in and over his head? He's got a young staff that I think is going to get better as the you know as they're going to be better next year than they are this year because they're so young, including him. Uh, so I don't know how this is. You know, I, I can't make a judgment on his, on his coaching ability at this point. Uh, all I know right now is he's he's a nice guy. Damo, you've uh, also covered Howard Roseman his entire time here in Philadelphia. Up the ladder, back down the ladder, back up the ladder again, and the entire Howie Roseman era. Uh, one of the staples of Howie has been trying to identify a talent, get him done before he becomes a free agent, keep him here in Philadelphia, lock him up to at least a fair contract. They've not done that yet this year. They have not done a uh, deal with a guy either with years to go on his contract, on his rookie deal, and or one more year to go on a veteran deal. They haven't really ex chosen anybody to extend and get the deal over and done with and not dealt with free agent. We know who the guys who are in there last year of their Eagle contract. Uh, I'm sure that he's at least contemplating it and or debating it. They just restructured a couple of contracts uh, last week to give themselves some flexibility under the cap. Is this going to be a non-Eagle move to buy out somebody going forward? Is it, If it's going to happen, who would you say is the most logical candidate at this time? Well, I mean, if, 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 let's say they, they decide they do want Watson and they make a trade for him. Obviously, then they've got to do something because they're just going to have to make cap room. I mean, the obvious guy is Fletcher Cox. I mean, he's got a $24 million cap. Uh, hit and and they haven't touched they haven't uh, you know they've restructured his deals in the past they didn't go to him this year uh, so that would be where you would start if you were looking to, to create room 
I, you know, the cap is going to jump next year, guys, uh, significantly, and it's going to keep going up. I mean, this, 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 this league is about to make obscene amounts of money. They've already made, are making obscene amounts, but with all the new, uh, revenue streams out there uh, for broadcasting, for putting their product out there, they're just going to be making – the cap is just going to go skyrocketing. So you don't need to be a very smart cap manager anymore. Uh, you know, you just need to be a evaluate talent uh, fairly decently. So I, I don't expect – unless they trade for somebody like Watson, I don't expect them to make many deals because you look at the guys they've got. They've either got older guys that are probably on their last year with the team or going to be maybe gone by 2022, after 2022, or they've got guys that are still in their second or third year on their contract, like a Miles Sanders, guys like that, who, who they can't renegotiate yet. What have your thoughts been on Jalen Rager? I always, you know, I thought the Monte, I think it was February or March or so, and Jalen still seems confident, like, even with his struggles. I mean, what have your thoughts been seeing him in practice? Yeah, you know, well, seeing him in practice has been kind of hard because he, he's missed some time with this uh, <laughs> issue of losing a friend and, um, you know, missing, uh, not uh, failing the conditioning test at the beginning. You know, which is not a good thing when you've had coming off the season he's had. You would think your mind is focused on one thing. Um, he's got talent. You know, they, they made a huge mistake there. Just, Justin Jefferson was the guy they should have drafted. Everybody knows that. Uh, but Jalen Rager can play, and there are ways. There are unique ways to use him. Uh, they're gonna, you know, screens uh, get get him the ball in space. They have a lot of guys like that this year. Uh, even their fifth round pick, who I really love, the kid, the running back from Memphis, um, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. Kenny Gainwell. Kenny Gainwell. I mean, just get him the ball. You're going to see this this offense run a lot of screens, a lot of quick passes. Um, you know, I don't. Everybody thinks of Jalen as a guy that they're going to throw the ball deep to, like they did Deshaun, and they will. I mean, he's got he's got more speed than he showed coming out of TCU. But, I mean, I, you just want to get him the ball, and I think he can be successful in that role. You know, he's going to probably be returning punts for them, assuming his, his hands are dependable. Um, so, you know, I, he's not Justin Jefferson, but I think he can be a productive pick for them. Damo, sticking with wide receivers, that would be Devonta Smith, the number one draft pick this year, who unfortunately got hurt week to week. We see him out there. He's catching balls on the jugs gun. So, we think he's going to be back at practice pretty soon, but he's missed some significant snaps here. How big a deterrent is that? How much is he pushed back? Uh, do we cut him some slack at the beginning of the season because he didn't get a full training camp in? Uh, those are the breaks. You get hurt, you get hurt. But how much do you think it's going to affect his first month in the NFL? I don't think that much, Jody. I mean, this kid's a quick learner. Um, we've got chemistry with uh, Jalen already, so – you know, since they had played at Alabama, they, they worked together during the spring, both here and down in Houston. Um, so I think that's going to be a problem. I mean, it's, it's, it's all about getting to the starting line in this league now. Uh, you know, so you're going to basically have guys like that sit out as long as it takes for an injury like his uh, to get 100% so that he's ready on week one. So, you know, uh, it doesn't concern me much. I, I think he's going to have an instant impact. Uh, the Andre Dillard Jordan Mulata thing. It looks like Mulata is running away with it, but see, yeah. Andre Dillard has yeah has to be the backup. Do they try to trade him, or do they just kind of keep him around as in case Mulata goes down? 
Well, I mean, their their offensive line is looking like ten deep right now. I mean, you got to love it, uh, regardless. But I mean, Malad, I think you're right, Jeff. Malad is going to win that competition. It's pretty. I mean, unless something happens here in the you know in the preseason, if Jordan gets hurt, but if everybody stays healthy, it's Jordan's job. Now, what do you do with with Dillard? I don't think you go and shop him. Uh, I think you go into it looking at okay, he's going to be our swing tackle, our backup swing tackle. But you kind of hope that you have a situation at left tackle like you had in the year they tra- uh, Sam Bradford got traded to the uh, uh, Vikings, where you you hope somebody loses their left tackle in week uh, the, the week before the season, and it's just so desperate, and and still has their grades on Andre Dillard from the draft, and they're willing to make a deal and maybe give you a second or third round pick for him. Well, that was the way that uh, we all looked at Zach Ertz during this offseason. Well, somebody's going to have to lose their tight end if Howie's going to get as high a pick as he wants for Zach Ertz, and that may or may not happen. But last night, Zach Ertz got a rousing standing ovation down at Lincoln Financial Field when he came out for the Eagles live practice. He's been a professional about it. He's come back. He's worked hard in practice. All right, maybe turns his shorts inside out so you can't see the Eagle logo. So we know it's not a 100% healed relationship between he and the organization. But getting the kind of ovation that he got from the fans last night, uh, how much do you think that helps Zach Ertz prepare mentally for this season if he's going to stay as an Eagle, even though, at least in his mind, it looked like he had already checked out? Yeah, I mean, Zach's a smart guy. He knows that, that for him right now, the only option is to have a terrific season, and it just only enhances his chances of getting a, a deal next next year when he becomes a free agent. Um, you know, I mean, he's 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 not going to get a, a long term contract, but I mean, if he's he shows this year that he can catch seventy balls, there are going to be a lot of teams that are going to want him next year. Uh, so, and and you know. He's playing in this offense with Jalen. Uh, he's going to catch a lot of balls this year if, if, if he ends up staying on the roster the entire season. Because, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're Hurts, I mean, he used his tight end at Oklahoma uh, very productively. Uh, you know, he's got Goddard. He's got – I mean, he, there are just so many weapons there that it, it only made sense for, for Hurts to just kind of come to the acceptance that, you're, you know, you're probably going to be here for the year, make the most of it, and move on. I think you were at the practice where Lane Johnson spoke and he talked about Jason Peters and, you know, kind of how much he missed his presence there. Is Lane Johnson starting to become that new Jason Peters of the offensive line or is Kelsey kind of taking those reins? I don't think anybody's quite like Jason, Jeff. Uh, you know, I mean, just, he was just such a unique guy. Um, I think both of them in their own way. I mean, that's probably the, you know, one of the great things about this offensive line, besides the talent, is you've got three 33-year-old guys who, while you know, being 33 means they're uh, more prone to injury, gives you just a lot of knowledge. I mean, with Brooks, with Kelsey, with Johnson, just helps everybody else. Uh, you know, Sam Mollo's experienced, but, I mean, they're all helping Malata. Uh, they're all going to be able to help Hurts. Um, so, you know, I, I Lane, is, Lane is not the – I don't think he's the teacher Peters was. I mean, Peters was one of those guys. I mean, he'd take guys off to the side, a young kid that nobody was even thinking about as the guy that was going to play and, and kind of give him some tips. You know, Lane would be happy to do that. I just don't see him reaching out to people unless he thinks they want him to reach out. Uh, and, and Jason's kind of the same way. You know, you ask me something and I'll help you. 
but Jason was more of a, a, a and which is kind of odd because you think of Jason as an introvert who, uh, you know, he never talked to us or very seldom did he, I mean, so he had no use for the media, but uh, he loved to deal with young players. I mean, I think ultimately he's going to be a coach in this league uh, and I think he's going to be a great one. I, I thought maybe he'd come back this year as, you know, help out uh, uh, Stoutland a little bit. Uh, maybe that'll happen at some point, but I guess maybe he just wants to, to lay back and enjoy things down in Texas. Damo, I'm going to readily admit I'm putting on my eagle-colored glasses for this last question for me. Um, we found out, although I don't think Nick Sirianni wanted anyone to find out, but we did, that he actually has a competition every single practice. Well, we know he's about competition, but the offense against the defense. And at the end of the day, he adds up who he thinks want to play offense or defense, and he has a winner. It's either offense or defense every single day. Defense has been killing the offense. If you look yeah. at the total scoreboard, it hasn't been close. It's the defense in a runaway. I'll go off it. I'll go glass half full here. It's because the defense has been that good. Not that the offense is still learning and or struggling. Um, if that's the case, and this defense is going to be better than maybe we projected when we looked at the roster before they ever showed up for a training camp practice, what's going to be the key? Who are the guys or uh, the scheme or what? what is going to be the thing that we look in week in, week out and go, yeah, this Eagle defense has got a chance to win the game because of this. What do you see out of the defense early? Can it last all year? I think with Gannon's defense, it comes down to the same thing that uh, uh, that Schwartz's did, the, the front four. Um, and the front four for me, I mean, they were the front four was good last year, but I mean, Fletcher Cox is the key there. I mean, he can be a dominant force. He hasn't been that since 2018 when he was the second best defensive tackle in the league. The last two years, you know, he started one year with injuries, so it took a while to get, you know, to get back to 100%. But he needs to make that leap where he can have, where double, double teams are, are nothing to him uh, because you can't count on the other guys to uh, get one, win one-on-ones. But I think that said, I mean, you look at their, the talent they've, you know, Josh Sweat seems to be making that leap into a, a you know, a starter, uh, regardless of what happens here with Derek Barnett. You know, they, they added Ryan Kerrigan, who still has something left. I mean, you just don't want to overuse him, but I think in a limited role, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be a dangerous pass rusher for him. So I think everything starts with that, with that defensive line. They've upgraded their linebackers, which is good. Uh and, you know, the kid that's been impressive in camp so far, you know, they traded they, – they got – they signed Steve, Steve Nelson, the kid from the Steelers. Um, but the rookie, uh, Zach McPherson, has had an excellent camp. And I don't think it's a fluke. I mean, I think this kid's legit. And, I mean, I, it would not surprise me if week one against Atlanta – he's he, uh, Atlanta? Detroit? Um, Atlanta. Atlanta. Um, that he's the starting cornerback opposite Slay rather than Nelson. Wow. Last, last one for me, Paul. Uh, of the 2017 Eagles uh, Super Bowl team, I, I think Jay Spears is going to the Hall of Fame, but is there anybody else that has a shot? Uh, I mean, Jason Kelsey is going to get some consideration. Uh, you know, he's under – I think he's underestimated because of his size. But, there, you know, there, there hasn't been a guy, a center as athletic as him in the league in, in maybe 20 years that I can think of. I mean – so he's gonna, you know, he's a guy that certainly down the road will get consideration. After that, boy, I don't know. Uh, I don't see anybody else that 
you know, that jumps out at me right now. And if he does, Jason Kelsey makes it. And I'm with you, Domo. I think he absolutely deserves and will get consideration. I wonder if he's going to be like Alan Fanica. How many pounds did he drop last night when he got he's down to about, what, 210? Wasn't he a 330-pounder during his playing days? Man, some of these guys get in much better shape after they stop playing. Even when they're still playing. I mean, I, I don't know if you, if you – was it last week when Brandon – we were talking to Brandon Brooks. And uh, he said when he had the boot on after he tore his Achilles, he went down from 335 to 285. So the natural question – now he's back up to 330. My natural question was I asked him, okay, how did you put the weight back on? And he, he admitted that he spent a lot of time at Taco Bell. Uh, among <laughs> not too much. But, but yeah, I mean, some, it's, it's impressive. Uh, Jeff, I mean, you look at Steve Hutchinson the same way. Uh, so a lot of these guys, I mean, A, they're not lifting as much, so their body changes. But, you know, a lot of them take care of themselves for a, you know, a long time afterwards and stay. But they get lighter and they, and they still look good. Unfortunately, a lot of those guys, well, I mean, that, that was one of the sad things about the Hall of Fame. They bring out all the old, you know, there were 100 Hall of Famers from the past that came out. And some of them you just look at and feel so sorry for them. What the game did to them, what the after, the post-life, uh, post-career life did to them uh, is just unfortunate sometimes. And I don't think we'll ever know about Jason Kelsey because when he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame, he's probably going to break out that mummer suit again. Just well, a guess on my part. We shall see. <laughs> Uh, Dama, always a pleasure, buddy. You know we're going to tap into your plenty during the year. Thanks for hopping on with us today. We'll get you back up in a month or so. Thanks, bud. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Paul Domowitz, uh, formerly of the Daily News, uh, still doing some work and doing some writing. Next time we'll ask him about the book that he's uh, getting underway with, but we wanted to get him on because he was and continues to be, and I think he's going to probably retain the title of the Philadelphia Hall of Fame representative in the room when they picked the Hall of Famers. So that's why he was out in Canton this week and uh, watched the guys go in. Uh, he didn't give me what I wanted to hear about Al Wistert, that uh, he only made the top 20 veterans cut. He needed to make the top 10. And uh, that, might, that might be a tough pill to swallow uh, on the Veterans Committee. All right, uh, he's Jeff Kerr. I'm Jody McDonald. We got to take a final time out. Come back, put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation 
and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Heard 365 coming down the home stretch of a Monday edition, a Actual Eagles Game Week edition. That's right. Exhibition football against the Steelers on Thursday. Very much looking forward to that. Um, I got to apologize to both you, Jeff Kerr, and all of our listeners. I hate when I do this. uh, Take a look at my note sheets when we've only got five minutes to go in the show and go, damn, I forgot to do that. Well, two things on that front. Number one, uh, 2022. Already looking ahead. I'm as guilty of this as every, everybody else. So uh, I'm not poking fun at anyone. I'm saying, yes, guilty as charged. As soon as you have something accomplished, you want to look forward to the next year. As soon as we win the Super Bowl, well, who's going to win the Super Bowl next year? Somebody wins a Cy Young. Who's going to win the Cy Young next year? Well, we had the 2021 Hall of Fame class go in this year. So we look ahead to 2022. And the new guys who are up for induction for the first time, their five-year wait is up. They're going to be on the ballot for the first time. Let me be the first, well, one of the first, because other outlets did it last night. It certainly reminded me that I need to do it, too. My guy, my Hall of Fame guy next year is Devin Hester, because I'm a guy who absolutely believes special teams still has a big part in the National Football League. I readily admit that it is becoming less and less with every passing year, unless they do a 180 again and decide the kickoff returns are important and heck with the health of kickoff returners. Uh, we need that to energize our game and they bring it back. It is now less of an importance than ever has been because so many kicks end in uh, touchbacks. Devin Hester was the last guy in this league who truly every single time he went back to receive the either punch or a kick, you go, damn, we can get a touchdown out of this. Um, he he kind of signifies the end of an era. Could it swing back? Yes, but it, we don't know that that's going to be the case. 
I am making the case for Devin Hester to be my number one guy to get in next year. Am I whistling uh, in the wind here, Jeff Carr? Now, here's the thing, Jody. He should get in. And I will say this. I'm 33 years old. There are a lot of great returners I've seen. I, you know, Brian Mitchell was so much fun to watch. Eric Metcalf was fun to watch. No one was like Devin Hester. I don't jump out of my seat for a lot of plays. And one Hall of Famer this weekend I did when Kurt Warner threw the bomb to Isaac Bruce, the 74-yard touchdown in Super Bowl 34. That was one of them. And Devin Hester returning that kickoff to start to kick off Super Bowl 41. That was the play. And that the Bears, if Rex Grossman wasn't god-awful, <laughs> Devin Hester would clearly be in the Hall of Fame. We wouldn't even debate this because the Bears probably would have beat the Colts. And everybody would be like, well, Devin Hester set the tone. He, he, you know, he was the game changer. I, who returns the opening kickoff in a Super Bowl for a touchdown in front of all those flashing lights? And I'm like, this is insane. Like, the one thing you couldn't do in that game was give him the football, kick the football off to him. And the Colts did it. And I thought, man, the Bears might actually pull this off. They're, they shouldn't. But Devin Hester gave me hope. And they were in that game for the first half until yeah, – I agree with you. Like, no one made an impact like Devin Hester did in, in the return we, game. And it really should be recognized. And I don't think he'll get in right away, but he should get in. I hope he does too. Uh, and, oh, by the way, I know we overemphasize it that the game isn't decided just by matching the two starting quarterbacks and a better quarterback wins – it happens that way a lot, but not every single time. Oh, I was so sure in that Super Bowl. I Sorry. Devin Hester could have returned three touchdowns, three kicks for touchdowns. He was still going to lose because Peyton Manning was going to get the better of Rex Grossman. But uh, I digress. Uh, other thing, and this is something I want you to contemplate for tomorrow. We'll certainly touch, it, uh, touch on it on tomorrow's show. Wanted to bring it up today. We've now run out of time. James Washington, wide receiver of Pittsburgh has specifically asked for a trade. He's reading the writing in the wall in Pittsburgh, thinks he's down there, option chart, not going to get thrown through this year. He's already worried about his next contract. So he's already making noise and rumbles about, uh, I need to be somewhere else this upcoming season. Veteran guy, solid guy, one of those flash type guys who makes a couple of big plays, but then you check his numbers and he does come out of the mix and doesn't get a lot of catches. Um, people are speculating the deal still need an upgrade and a, a guy who's been around the league and has had some productive years in the wide receiver room. What's your first blush reaction to a potential trade for James Washington? Who, oh, by the way, will be here on Thursday night for us to get a firsthand look at him as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You let right into that, Jody. I'm like, they're going to get a scouting report on the guy th this week. And, that's the thing with James Washington, and you're right. He's not going to play that much in Pittsburgh, especially with Juju coming back. I, I don't think he was banking on Juju coming back in there. You you still have Deontay Johnson in the mix. You still have Ch Chase Claypool, who jumped Claypool. him. Yep. Chart. Yeah, so those guys are good. And James Washington isn't a bad football player, and I think he would significantly help this team. Just a veteran option. He's not even close to 30 yet. So that kind of helps their cause, and – I like Wes Watkins, too. I think he's had a great camp. But John Hightower hurt. Devonta Smith going to be coming back from injury. You're really not sure what you're getting from Jalen Rager yet. I entertain the possibility and give the Steelers, you know, a, a fifth, sixth, you know, a low day three draft pick just to try to take them off their hands. And, you know, maybe he can contribute to them this year. It, it'd almost be like, um, remember uh, the year they 
they got Dante Stallworth. Like, I don't think he'd make a Dante Stallworth type impact, but I think he could be a downfield threat for them and be someone they can rely on, especially a young quarterback like Jalen Hurts. Something we can look into more uh, on tomorrow's show, which is now just 22 hours away. Jeff Carr, you're back with me again tomorrow? I am back tomorrow. I'm back uh, most of the week, honestly. I, I, I think it's still Friday. Sounds like a plan to me. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Yes, Jeff and I, Johnny Mack will be on with us. We'll get you another good guest in hour number two. Be right back here for Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.